This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show was brought to you by Hashtag All Podcasts Matter, the podcast about social issues, politics, movie news, and Keanu Reeves. I'm Vic and he's Ken. We release episodes bi-weekly, one focusing on current events, both politically, socially, and in movie news, and we'll drop one movie review as well. Remember to follow us on all your social media platforms and, and take a take a bookmark. Yeah, we have plenty of cool swag. Visit us at allpodcastmatter.com. Two up, two down. This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by badmagics.com. Badmagics.com. More than just an online journal or clothing line, badmagics.com is a lifestyle brand dedicated to keeping you fresh from art to the music to the gear. Badmagics.com. Shout out to the magic man. Badmagics.com. Defenders of the true school. Shout shout out to Benzino for representing worldwide. 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 What it is and what it do. This is your boy Lawrence G. And I am your boy, Joey Burnham. And this is the the Grown Grown Ass Ass Man Man Hip Hop -hop Show. Show, Where we talk about love, life, hip hop, and grown man shit. And everything in between. Everything in between. Ladies and gentlemen. Frederick Freeze. Frederick Freeze. Yes. Is Fred in the building. Rio. Yes, this is Rio. Everything's grinding. Nothing is petito. No, no it's not Nothing petito. is petito. Yes. Petito. We are missing a part of the clan today. Um Jonathan boy Crane. Jonathan Crane. Yes. He he's, he had other things to do to uh to discuss hip hop with us. The la- the last uh, list was too daunting and he said uh He needs I'm cocaine out. and white women. So yes. he's he's going to um uh just heal his soul with Piles and piles of cocaine and mounds, mounds of um, luscious, thick white women. And he's constructing a miniature 3D schematic of world domination, piece by piece, soldier by soldier. And that 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 that's what he's doing when he's not mm-hmm. fucking yes. the white women. Yeah. Yes. Um. Anything go on in the world of news? What other shenanigans this week? Benzino. Uh, that's what I said. I got to say shout out to the man. Like, you know, from the Source magazine. <laughs> giggity, you know, giggity, 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 giggity. I, man, giggity, I, giggity. I don't even know how this is news, really. Because, like, I'm like. It's not. It's not. It's not news. Like, they got a thing out here with, you know, Benzino supposed to be. Uh, what do you do? Eating the ass. He ate the ass. Of uh, <laughs> his uh, girlfriend or whatever like that. And Is this the one? I know they had one where he was eating ass in a tub. Man, I don't even know if that's the one. So it's another accusation it, of ass. <laughs> yes. I'm so like, at this point, why is this even news? The man eats ass. Well, and, and the thing um, is, two thirds of the men in this room do. Well, yeah. okay, let's, let's <laughs> except me. Let I'm me not in. This. I said two thirds. I'm, I'm out the club. I didn't. Let I, me, I, just let, I, I let people know that I, they got to know that internationally. Let me add this caveat to the woman to get their the wrong ideas. My nigga Fred Freeze. This at the end of the day, this ain't no big deal. Everybody eat ass. But the question is, everybody why? except for Fred. Fred. Everybody I don't, except for Fred. Not touching it. But the question is, why is it a big deal? Why does yeah. the grown ass man hip hop show have to talk about it? Here go the funny reason why we got to talk about it. This nigga Fred hit me up, and we were trying to discuss topics for tonight's show. We were like, man, yeah, me, you, and Lawrence G got to figure out a way to talk some shit on the grown ass man hip hop show. That nigga Fred was like, hey Joe, you eat ass, you may find Benzino interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so that's the real conversation. That's the conversation. The real conversation ain't technique, Benzino. man. We gotta talk technique. This this man, the, the way that man got at it in the kitchen, it it it, it reminded me. Oh, it has in the kitchen. Yes. So he made his woman a part of his meal. Yes, yes. he's not playing games. He, he he ate his ass with father beans, man. A lot like grocers. Fine Chianti. And a fine. And a fine Chianti. That nigga's a cannibal. Exactly. Why is this news again? It, it's not because why, why you gotta news? think about Aaron I, Hall. Aaron Hall was been doing this shit. Like I'm like, look, he he did some stuff so foul that Luke, they begged Luke not to put it on the on the Peep Show. Yep. He did this on the Peep. They didn't believe he was about that. Like he was. He's a he is an innovator and a maverick and a maven of nasty. He take uh, what's the bitch name? Gloria Velez. He yeah, and just he, down through there, right? Yeah, for for days. He, say, he just he yeah. say he fucked it for like three days. Straight for three days straight. Three days straight. You yes. don't know about Aaron Hall, do you? No, Man, that dude, no. Enlighten, enlighten me. He's please. the Lord of Nasty. That, he's Professor Nasty. Aaron Hall. <laughs> no, he, he, uh, yeah. You he's, are still Professor Nasty, but he is like he's, the, he's, he's like the Grand he's Wizard of Nasty. Yeah, exactly. He he's shows Dean up. Nasty. Yeah. I got to come to work and report to him. <laughs> that dude, look, that dude is so dirty, man. Like got, when he walks in the room, my, uh, uh, people uh, just start uh, closing their shirt. My uh, rubric to him. Yes. <laughs> my, I got to present Your my syllabus. I like what you doing young man one yeah, day you yeah. uh, you'll get to my level like what you doing yeah man <laughs> and all talk about fucking bitches for three four days straight yep. eating ass eating pussy threesomes foursomes fivesomes uh, uh making bitches do what they want to do he that nigga he is like a loose pimp yes He's he's like a loose the way he would be one women. of old 90s singing ass niggas that do shit like oh he's he I'm talking about he he filthy man he is that dude is like wow. I'm like that that group guy, man. That group guy just wasn't right, bro. There was nothing right about that group. That was a dangerous group when you think about it. That was a very very dangerous group of individuals. So wow. So I want to hear no nigga say nothing else about a rapper. Yeah, I, you gotta understand. <laughs> most rappers don't even they can't even get on the level of what Aaron. Like I told you, Aaron Hall's PR person, his manager had to call Luke and say, please do not air this video because he was on the peep show and there was a model just a ra- one of the random models there and you know the peep show everything's going on people could be fucking in the background all kinds of crazy because yeah, this, this is just an open it's, it's the peep, peep show. show so basically hold on before you go further for the young for the young um i don't want to call you grown up so you little young niggas explain to the little young niggas what the luke's peep show was basically in the early days of cable you had like um luke it was pay per view. It was pay per view. I used to uh, watch that shit scrambled. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Luke uh, from the two live. Now crew, you got to pretty explain much explain what a scrambler. Is. I will. I will. <laughs> um, Luke's peak. You know, basically, Luke from the two live crew got with uh, Playboy, and Playboy got with him and allowed him to have his own show, which like was like almost like a Friday night show. I don't know how whatever it worked out, but it was kind of like what we got on HBO now with BMR, except sex, mm-hmm. and you know. He would quote unquote be interviewing people, but all kinds of hell would be going on around <laughs> him interviewing people. I'm talking about it would be like sucking dick. I'm talking about it would be like the hedonist bot was his show manager. <laughs> basically, it was like it was all kinds of mayhem going on around him while Man. all this shit was going on. So basically, stars and stuff would come in. In this instance, Aaron Hall was there being interviewed, talking to Aaron Hall. Aaron Hall was talking a lot of shit. Luke didn't quite believe him. You know, so, you know, Luke is just sitting back like, yeah, you know, I've seen everything. I'm Luke. I'm you know, I'm around everything. I'm in orgies and all this other stuff. You ain't doing nothing. I done Man. pissed on a bitch off the side of a boat. 
Dagum, Dagum Aaron Hall. Nah, he just he just looked at Luke and proceeded to bend over one of them models in there and go to town. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think I need to find this video. Don't, no, they, they didn't. They, this stuff is like, look, this stuff is. And the bad thing is, he copped to it too. He copped to it. Luke copped to it. It's some serious stuff. They cop, you can find them copping to it online because it happened. And like really the PR man had to come forth and say, hey man, please don't release. Because this is at a time where this stuff is unheard of. And you know, these R&B singers are still trying to be squeaky clean and they'll do an R&B song and if they, they trip a little bit, they'll do a church song to try to say, this is where I got my roots from. Let's get right church and let's go home. Mm-hmm. Then go back. I'm in the club eating ass like groceries. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, time out, bro. This, this conflicts with the music he made. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. So, nowadays, that shit makes you successful. Exactly. So, so this is the second week in a row that we've had a consistent ass eating topic. Yes. Hey. Uh, last week was Nicki Minaj. This week is uh, Benzino. But you know, um, you know, you know who will be happy about this? Trick Daddy. Yes. Even though he well, killed, you know he, he dismantled the he Eater dis- Booty Club. Yeah, yeah, because he saw something he didn't like. <laughs> he said it was too many. Yeah, there was too many gay dudes joining the Eater Booty Club. Yeah, he, so yeah, he he, he like, said he dismantled that shit because he, he ain't with that. He said that's dead. The Eater Booty. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, my brother, um, I don't know how we, I don't know how we segue. I like the way he went in there and said that's dead. That that's dude, dead. Like, Talk that sports shit, nigga. Talk that sports shit, nigga. I don't know how we segue into this. But talk about, uh, you know, there was a major fight that happened this past weekend with uh, Canelo and Triple G. Well, talk that sports shit, nigga. Um, Well, the first fight that I want to talk about is the McGregor and Mayweather fight. It went 10 rounds. Uh, Mayweather knocked him out in the 10th round. And... The fight lived up to expectations. Yeah, you didn't get to commentate on that when it happened. We didn't meet up. So McGregor, we kind yeah. McGregor did a way better job than what I thought. His awkwardness presented problems for Mayweather. It was a spectacle, and it was everything I expected it to be, and a little bit more, because I didn't expect McGregor to last that long. Um, and I didn't, I, on, on some levels, I didn't expect Mayweather to, to knock him out. But what it came down to is this. Boxing is more aerobic than MMA. MMA is aerobic like a motherfucker. But boxing is more of a jog for a long distance. And MMA is more of a sprint. So that's what happened. Conor McGregor, which even for MMA standards, he has bad cardio. But um, Conor McGregor basically was outclassed. He was fighting the best boxer, one of the best boxers of all time. But basically, he got too tired. And that ass whooping came because he was so, too fatigued. So, so uh, Mayweather just kind of gave him a little rope-a-dope. Mayweather gave him a very smart, more aggressive rope-a-dope. Mayweather changed his whole style up. He didn't have the whole shoulder protecting the chin, elbow protecting the rib, sideways stance. He had more of a peekaboo, come straight forward style. And he put pressure on McGregor. And when you put pressure on the fighter, they have to respond. They have to walk backwards, which makes you tired. They have to respond to you coming forward, which makes you tired. Mayweather's more aggressive style, which you ain't see that style since Mayweather was a young, young, young man. But Mayweather's more aggressive style in this fight with somebody who already has bad cardio made McGregor tired. So it it wasn't a rope-a-dope in the sense that he laid back and let McGregor do his thing. It was a rope-a-dope in the sense that 
Floyd Mayweather knew that if I'm jogging side by side with this guy, eventually he's going to gas out because my cardio is better. So I'm going to dictate a fast pace, a fast pace that he can't fuck with. And and on top of that, McGregor, he didn't utilize his his movement like his movements were very better than what I expected. But. He wasted a lot of energy. Yeah. He was not conservative with his punches, which you don't have to be as conservative with punches coming from an MMA world. But I'm rambling to some that particular fight all up. It came down to one thing. You can you can say skill. You can say somebody doesn't box and Mayweather is all he does is box. You can say that all day. But what it came down to is McGregor got tired of shit and got his ass handed to him in the 10th round. Not taking shit away from Floyd, because Floyd did that on purpose. That was a masterful game plan by Floyd. But had McGregor not been, had his cardio been better, then he just would have got his ass whooped for a whole 10 rounds. He was going to lose regardless. All right. Now go ahead and speak a little bit about this next fight, the, uh, the Triple G and Canelo fight, man. Triple G and Canelo is obviously another boxing tragedy, travesty and tragedy. Um, I had Triple G beating Canelo Alvarez, especially rounds uh, one, two, three, four. I'll say the four until the end he won. I'll say that. So how did it come to a draw? It came to a draw. See, that's the thing. The, the and that's that boxing bullshit that you were talking about earlier. But but how did it come down to a draw? It came down to a draw because the fight was close. It came down to a draw because in a lot of ways, the draw was fair. So the the draw is not the travesty. The travesty the travesty is Beard, Bird, whatever her name is. I, for, uh, I forgot that lady's name. There's a female judge who scored the fight 118 to 110 for Canelo Alvarez. That fight was way too close for Canelo Alvarez to be eight points over Triple G. Nah, she, that's some, I don't know what it is, inept, corrupt, I don't know what it is, but. So do you think that it's somebody the cooking the books? Do you think it's set up for Canelo? Uh, I mean, for Triple G Canelo too? That was going to happen regardless. That was going to happen regardless. I think a rematch was going to happen, no matter who won, no matter how fair it was, no matter what corruption was or wasn't present. But this definitely sets up a rematch because it has to happen now. It has to happen. I was watching uh, ESPN and Teddy Atlas was going crazy. Uh, talking to Stephen A. Smith because his whole thing was this corruption is fucking up the sport and people want to see a rematch but when you step in that ring and you fight somebody you lose a little bit of yourself so you may not even have something left over for the rematch I mean let's just face it when you fighting somebody you don't want to rematch that motherfucker you fucking dying in the ring You, man you are dying in that fucking ring somebody is literally shaving centimeters off of your fucking existence <laughs> Right, right. You are dying. I don't care how healthy you are stepping out the ring or how healthy you ain't. When somebody is punching on your ass for 12 goddamn rounds, you are dying a little bit. And to have to have a rematch because the judges fucked it up, they're asking you to go in there and kill yourself again. They, they, they're they making your, your slow they're death. They're giving you bang. a lot of money for it. Fuck that. 
as long as there's blood when the people cheer. Exactly. The roots said that. The yeah. thing, this is true. This is true. Well, let me wrap this up by saying this before I go into what I want to say. Yeah. I got Triple G winning. I thought that Triple G was going to be outboxed, but he wasn't. Certain rounds did happen the way I thought. So was, it a, was, it a, was it a slobber knocker that everybody wanted? It was a back and forth competitive fight. Okay. I know it was a really good fight. And it aggressive. had some hard hits. It, it was a really good fight on both ends. See, the thing is, the fight was close. At least at one point. Triple G started pulling ahead. The reason Dri- Triple G started pulling ahead was because of his uh, ring control and ring um, uh, uh, leadership, if you will. I, the, the term slips me right now. Um, generalship. His ring generalship. Because a lot of times you can win a fight by just walking forward. You may not throw more punches or you may throw the same amount of punches as the, as, as the next man. But if your body language, if you are controlling the, re- the real estate of the ring, you win in that fight. Yeah. Because what happens is this. If you control the real estate and the footwork and you dictate place, you're controlling the dance. So imagine dancing with somebody. If I'm the man leading the woman, she's doing what I want her to do. Yep. That shows my dominance. So if you got good ring generalship, general whatever the fucking word is, I'm fucking it up, y'all. Don't get mad at me. But if you got good ring control, yeah. you're making your opponent do what the fuck you want them to do, even without throwing a punch. So that right there goes up on the scorecards because it's like, damn, this nigga winning just by walking up on another nigga backing away from him. That's showing that you're scared. Yep. On the flip side, a lot of niggas counterfight, so they back up so they can catch somebody running toward them. A lot of counterfighters back away from their opponent on purpose, which that makes it look as if they're losing, but some niggas, that's their game That's plan. their trap. But anyway, that, that ain't the point. The point is I had Triple G winning. Um, I didn't expect him to win, but after that fight, I said, okay, Triple G proved me wrong, and he did win, which I didn't think he was going to do. And it shouldn't have been a, a a draw. It should have been maybe a split decision. Maybe a Triple split G. decision. Right. Triple yeah. G should have won. Man, we know it's all a setup and it's all a money hustle. I mean, we we know how it is. But check this out, grown-ups. We didn't talk that sport shit. We didn't talk about some old ass-eating shit. Well, oh, you can't say I don't want to say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's this. Yeah, ass that's, eating shit. Uh, yeah. Was I rambling? Did I get that out? No, you, oh, got, you got it that good. You got you, 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 that was an excellent sports. You na- you nailed that. You nailed that. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna put it out for the people. I'm trying to get Joey Burnham to do a show called The Pimpin' Pugilist. The Pimpin' Pugilist. There you go. There so you he go. needs to do one. The because you see, you, you see why. But listen, man. Before we get into all of that, um, we got another grown man top ten. As y'all know, this is part two. Of a four-part series uh, last week. I don't know if you did not hear it. Uh, we talked about the top 10 most impactful and lyrical rappers of the 80s. Of the 80s. This week is the most impactful and lyrical rappers of the 90s. And it gets increasingly hard. So, when we come back, we're going to jump into the grown men top 10. This is the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. In your mouth, bitch! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. This is the Grown Men Top Ten. What it is and what it do, this is the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. Yeah. Wow. 
And we finna jump into this grown man top ten. Um, Freddie Freeze. Yes. Uh, let's talk about two people who did not make this list and why. Okay. Um, and and also the honorable mention. Yes. Before we get into the list, uh, let's start things off with the honorable mention. Okay, we we uh, looked long and hard at this list, and the honorable mention is Warren G. Yes, because Warren G. saved Def Jam. The end. Yes, I think it's three people. <laughs> that was or only not, one. Not, it was only one. It's only one honorable mention, but we got two other people. But we got two other people. Totally. We have to explain why they're not on this particular list. Yes, I'm fucking up. So it's all good. So, so but with Warren G, because of, I don't want to hear you niggas' mouths. Exactly. We so we're yeah. gonna explain this shit beforehand. Exactly. And with Warren G, uh, not only did he save Def Jam, but to me, he is the precursor to a lot of the sing-songy rap that we get today because he created the G-Funk sound, which really... We're not ushered. talking about Drake. We're not talking about Drake, but he That's, is... He, he's, he's, he's in Nate Dog lane. He's not in the Warren G lane. Well, actually, they both all come Well, together. they all kind of... It's they an amalgam together. of all That's, that's what I but, said. But, yeah, he, but we're not specifically you know, talking about Drake right now. Yeah. Because he comes from a different... But I mean, he did, this is he gets yeah. it from there because like he gets Drake pretty much is a product of the G Funk era, a product of um, Ill and Al Scratch, a product of Father MC. Like these may not be people that a lot of people know about, but these guys paved the way, you know, for this type for of for a stuff melodic type flow exactly. And you know, rappers that you know at one time people didn't realize, and we'll get away from this in a minute because I ain't gonna go long. At one time there was rap. And there was R&B and the two shall not mix. In yeah. fact, there was a term called rapping bullshit that a lot of us purists like myself. Um, I'm and, the only I, liberal in the room. I, ca- I carry, you know, I carry that torch well because like Always that's what I come from. And, you know, I, I was feeling some sort of way. I'm one of those guys that was feeling some sort of way when a lot of other of our hardcore legends, and I'm not even going to say what, started um you know, putting an R&B in their songs. Because R&B was still acting hoity-toity. Like, you see jazz acts like, I listen to jazz, so I'm intelligent. I listen to R&B, so I'm refined. They were acting like Yeah, that. your predecessors yeah. Um, uh, shot Heron, so be quiet. Exactly. So, they, <laughs> so they, they would try to do all that stuff, and they were just, you know, treating rap like crap. Rap wasn't getting uh, play on the radio station. Hey, you rhymed just then. And they put, yeah, you know, I'm a rapper and I don't know. <laughs> Rapping crap. Yeah, there you go. I don't like them two words rhyming because, but anyway, anyway, yeah. continue. But, but the, you know, the bottom line is that's basically the lineage from Drake. So, and that's and that's really something that Warren G pretty much put on the super, like put on steroids. Like people had been doing that kind of like flirting with that sing-songy stuff. But when he did it, with that G funk, G it was funk a perfect kind of blend. Exactly, it, it was, was like a perfect a, blend. The melody was going. The way he actually raps himself, he doesn't do. It's like not a straightforward straight rap. It's, it's not, not a straightforward. Straight exactly, rap. he's 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 like I'm I'm talking like this and I'm talking like that. You know, it was what? a clear mm-hmm. black night. Exactly, a clear white moon. A clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls. Yeah. So anyway, so he is the honorable mention. Um. He is, uh, you know how basketball has the sixth man. He's the 11th man. Yes. So, people who did not make this list. Yep. Um, I'll, break, I'll break down one. You can break down the other. All right. Um, Andre 3000. The reason why I... Go ahead. Andre 3000 did not make this list because 
his debut solo album was in 2004. Yes, you could include him in the 90s with Outkast having a debut album in 1994. But this group is not about this. I'm sorry. This this list is not about groups. That's a completely different grown men top 10. We mainly looked at solo acts for this one. Yep. I mean, because when you think about the GOATs, it's just a kind of a misnomer. I guess is that the right word that they will be solo. They will pretty much be solo artists. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, you know. So you might hear Andre 3000 come up in our GOATs. Of the 2000s list Yeah He will come up In the ghost of the 2000s Yeah Eminem I'm gonna hand that one off To Freddie Freeze Eminem Eminem um, Though he dropped His seminal album The Marshall Mathers LP In 1999 That LP started It's uh, Meteoric reign At the top of hip hop In 2000 Trust me It was It was doing numbers It was doing the damage He had arrived In 1999 but the way I look at it, when you're at the end of a decade like that, he started his reign at the top of the 2000s. And really, it was Eminem who gave us the blanket of lyricism. He carried the torch of lyricism in the, into the, the 2000s. Into the 2000s. And he had that impact in the 2000s. Exactly. He had the impact in the 2000s, in, in the time period where the ringtone rappers and stuff like that was dragging rap down to hell. So it was really... Too, and crunk. Yes, and crunk. So really, and the South was in a weird place. Yeah. So everybody was in this weird place, and M was just steady, just delivering bars, and that was the hottest thing. Not all Crunk was dragging rap to hell, but that's another conversation. Well, for quite another a day. when you got a when you got a group that's got Lil John and Eastside Boys, and he's got a side group called Lil Sam and Big Bo, it's driving rap down. There. Man, them niggas had Bo Hagen. Who am I, man? Well, that's another conversation. That's another. We, we that's another grown <laughs> me in top ten. But anyway, so with that being said, and it's somebody else. Who's that? It's somebody else we didn't mention. Little Scrappy. Uh, oh yeah, and we didn't mention. I'm gonna pass this one off to Joe. Big Punisher. We didn't mention. One. It was kind of hard to do this, um, but we did not put Big Pun on this list because I really don't fucking know. Y'all want me to explain it and be all intelligent like no, well, no. I guess the way I would say it, this is what we discussed out there. He feels more like a 2000 rapper to you, Big Pun. Yeah, he does feel more like a 2000 rapper to me, even though, like, what, a big uh, Capital Punishment was released in 1998, wasn't it? Yep. So it was released in 1998. And here's another thing about Big Punisher. I feel like, unfortunately, we talked about part of this was impact. Big Punisher's impact was great. It was because it was stifled. It, it was stifled, was stifled by, because yeah. of his death. It's, exactly. So we really don't. He feels like a um, the same way Big L does. These are guys who are great without a doubt, but we didn't get to see the breadth of their work, and they didn't get to kind of shine that Biggie did. Because Biggie, they got to shine. Now let, let let me tell you, Big Punisher got shine right, and he was going to be a star. We could see it. He was already a star, and we knew his star was going to rise further than that, but he was cut short before his star could rise further. Well, here's the thing about Pun, before we get into the list. Pun is not on this list, and I can't honestly tell you why, because me personally, I feel that Big Pun should be on the list because he was, at the time, breaking records for Latino rappers and people in hip-hop. He was the biggie for that culture. For his, he was the, the biggie for that race of people and for that nationality. And he made a big enough impact to be mentioned. And then he came out in 98. If you go by impact, if you go by 
But the number, overall, but we talked about Redman earlier. Hold, hold on, we talked about Redman earlier. I, I think, think Pun belong on the list. Well, here's the thing: I'm talking about overall culture because we talked about Redman earlier because he's your, our rapper's favorite rapper, and we're gonna talk about him when we get on the list. And he had a larger cultural impact because of his movies, because of all the eccentric things he's done. You know, he's had like a lot of stuff that he got to put under his belt. Had he been just cut off as the rapper's favorite rapper, which is like what we got here. Pun is a rapper's favorite rapper in a lot of ways, and he did some pop songs. I'm not a player. I'm just that's what I, I was about to say. He did he did two pop songs that were like those songs solidified. They kind of ran. They ran the they ran 1998. Yeah, I don't know if they ran the 90s. 90s. You feel me? He didn't get a he didn't get a chance to give us the second act. You see what I'm saying? He didn't give a chance to give us the rest. It hurts. What I'm saying. It hurts. It hurts. Not, it, it hurts oh, but no, he's definitely oh, realistically yeah. he's another honorable mention. Yes, I would definitely put him an honorable. I mention. totally disagree with that. He but would I be, lose because so okay. So let's do it like this. So our honorable guys that didn't make the list for this decade are Eminem and Andre three thousand. The honorable mentions for this decade Big are pun. Warren G at eleven and Big Pun at twelve. I, well, or, I think no, well, or however you want to no, mix that. Big Pun in. has to be above Warren G. Just okay, so so Big Warren G at eleven, Big Pun at twelve. So. That's how we settled that. Now, getting into the list. Yes. Well, the criteria we discussed was impact and lyrics and which one is more important than the other. I think they are equally as important and you should weigh them both the same. Some people on this list has more lyrics than impact. Some people have more impact than lyrics. But at the end of the day, the way I broke down my list and we all did three separate lists and we tried to find the commonality in it and agree on one unified list. It's what we ended up doing. Yeah. But again, the criteria was impact and lyrics, mm-hmm. and and I think that the rappers that we came up with this list, they were the nineties. Yeah, that's the that's the point. That was the, the point. 90s. That they 90s. were they, they were, were the nineties. So people, when you hear this list, ask yourself, who is synonymous with the nineties? Exactly. Who the was 90s. a household name in the nineties? So let's go ahead and break it down. Coming in at number ten. Ten. Since you were looking for your friend The one you let hit it and never called you again uh, Remember when he told you he was about to bend your man You act like you and him They give him a little trim to begin Now you think you really gonna pretend Like you wasn't down and you called him again Plus when you give it up so easy You ain't even fooling him If you did it then then you probably can Talking out your next and you're a Christian A Muslim sleeping with the gin Now that was the sin that did Jezebel in Who you gonna tell when the repercussions spin Showing off your ass cause you thinking it's a trick Girlfriend, let me break it down for you again. You know, I only say because I'm truly genuine. Don't be a hard rock when you really are a gym, baby girl. Respect is just a minimum. Lauren Hill, I got Lauren Hill as number 10. So yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. We're just gonna go off one list, it's yeah. all the same list. Fuck yeah. that. And I, I would say the reason why Lauren Hill is there is if you look at the fact that she carried the torch of, um, well, not I ain't gonna say Queen Latifah, but she did. MC, MC Light. Light, MC Light, she Queen carried, Latifah too. Queen Latifah too, but most importantly, MC Light, because MC Light was the original female hard rapper. You see what I'm saying? And to be honest with you, Lauren Hill defied, you know, putting her in a sex category or anything. She was the best damn rapper in her group. Period. In fact, you know, I remember when they acknowledged it on a verse. Guys should stop rapping. Girls should go solo. So she was killing rapping. 
Then she turned around and sang. She was a dual threat for her era. The fact that we only got one album out of that is a travesty, but that album itself was so powerful. It's like, It damn. has inspired this generation of exactly. rappers. There are so many rappers that are coming up right now yeah. that pull from Lauryn Hill. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and then you look at like the, the work she did on the score, right? On the even, even though we don't do group stuff, shit, she carried a lot of that. I mean, come on, you take it'll her be a list. It'll be coming up. It'll, yeah, it'll you take come up. you take her off that, bro. You take her off any one of them Fuji albums, and you can might as well throw it in the trash. And, and you get the first the Fuji album. Oh my god! <laughs> Again, you take her off those Fuji albums, you might as well throw that joint in the trash and just get yourself them beats. You know what you got? Yeah. You got you got the Black Eyed Peas. Yes, you got Pros. <laughs> so anyway, coming in at number nine. I was out for lunch and shit, puffing on the blunt to get my hat red. Boogie into my walk man with the S on my chest. Bust the move. Yes, I'm a superhero, don't forget. I smoke mad niggas, so to hell with cigarettes. <laughs> But anyway, let's get back to the skit. You know who the fuck I am, so get off that old bullshit. Some time was up. Fuck! Let me jet or I'll collect unemployment fucks. On the way back, Jack, I spotted this object, a straight cat, stuck in a tree with the tag that say that. Info, please return to this address. Nigga, with my x ray, I set like, I get into the closest phone booth. It's Redman. Yeah, I got Redman as number nine. Yeah, and that's the rapper's favorite rapper. And not only that, like he's such a personality. Like Red Man, like Eminem looks to Red Man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This dude is serious. He is like the a Big Daddy Kane of that this era. The way he puts his words together, the way he does, you know, his charisma, all of that. Phenomenal MC. You know. And a rapper who other rappers look to and and have stolen from a little bit. Yeah. Rappers from Red Man influenced Busta Rhymes. Yes. Eminem. Yep. Ludacris. Yep. There are a handful Dirty of jerks. there are a lot of rappers that took that whole took it that a lot of rappers that took his stick. As a matter of fact, Ludacris to me is the red man of the two thousands. Yep. Of and the, the red man of the, of the South. This the is South. absolutely true. Yep. Uh-huh. There's a direct correlation between yep. him and and Ludacris. We all know how Eminem spouts how Red Man is his influence. And there there's nobody on this list after him that would not say Red Man affected them s- lyrically and stylistically some kind of way. It pushed them. So this I, is true. So yeah. coming in at number eight. Dun, 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 There's so many that don't know. They don't know. This is out to my Q. Rest in peace, baby. What they don't know, man? It's the board, the drama, the, the armor, the city, the farmer, the babies, the mama, the projects, the drugs, the children, the thugs, the tears, the hugs, the love, the slugs, the funerals, the wakes, the churches, the coffins, the heartbroken mothers. The Bronx, Brooklyn, Harlem, the hurt, the pain, 
DMX. This is on Joe. This, this is on Joe. DM, He's a DMX fan. I'm a I'm a huge DMX fan. And when DMX came out, he had two albums that went platinum in, in the, the same, same year. year. Yes. And those albums were Flesh of My Flesh, Flesh of My Flesh, and It's Dark, Dark and Hell is Hot. Yep. No other artist had done that at the time. Mm-hmm. Nobody was bigger than DMX in 98. Yep. Nobody in the entire 90s did specifically what he did. And he <laughs> sold albums like mother. And we're talking about before artists started putting out piece after piece after piece after piece after. We're talking about 10, 20 years before Future, yep. before SoundCloud, before mixtapes before that piff we're talking about that was unheard of to drop two albums in the same year and another important fact about dmx he was very impactful and he had very dark dense emo i was about to say that type of lyrics yep but another thing is that he feel like it or not there's some people who don't like this like it or not he filled a pock void he did he did maybe for a short time but it was very important for him to come in crying on stage, having asthma attacks on stage, doing his little God poetry and being super emotional because after Pac died, we needed that again. So he filled that void for me. Me being the biggest Tupac fan, he filled that void for me. So that's why he's number eight on this list. And that's what I, I was about to say. The, the one thing that I did like about you know, because the stick just really never hit me right. But the one thing I, I liked a lot about him was the fact that he did a lot of, you know, interpersonal stuff. And he had a lot of dark struggles. And he kind of put that in to his music because a lot of people remember the big hits that he had. They're, and the hits were always the aggressive, you know, I'm, ah, get at me, dog. Ah, you know, that was always that. But when you start listening into the album, man, it's some heavy stuff. It's some heavy so stuff. So it's, it's some heavy stuff. So that's really what you know that's that was a solid carryover from the other rappers who kind of uh paid and it was during the bling bling era too yeah that's during the so bling, for him bling to come era. out to like that, that during the bling bling to be era, grimy and 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 honest and, and open I, and very I'll be, honest and i'll be and i'll be i'll be honest right now and say he's the only rapper that ever sounded good on a swiss beat <laughs> swiss beats beat yeah yeah i didn't drag on show didn't do it drag yeah like dame grease and and Dame Grease and Swiss Beats, mm-hmm. perfect production for him. Matched his style, yeah, so many ways. Exactly, exactly. I agree with you saying it that way because Jay Z sounded good on that Money Cash Holes, Money Cash Holes. All them niggas sounded good on that. Swiss I just never been a. I, I'm sorry, Cassidy I'm a, sounded I'm, good on Swiss Beats. Bro, I'm just not a Swiss. I'm beats not a fan. Swiss Beats production. See, some of them, but yeah. not. Some of them, but not all of them. But anyway, I mean, Swiss Beats sounds like a. He sounds like a pop rizzle. To me, yeah, 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 he sounds like a pop Rizzo, and that's not I a knock on him or or Rizzo. Now Rizzo sounds like a pop Rizzo. Oh, shit, tell me about it. <laughs> right. All right, so coming in at coming in at number seven. Seven. Check. Yeah. Yo, I'm making short-term goals when the weather falls. Yes, put away the leathers and put ice on the gold. Chili with enough bell money to free.
for your big willy. High stakes, I got more at stake than filling. Shopping sprees, copping three. Dudes, fever, I yes, it's fully loaded. Ah, yes. Bouncing in the Lex Luger. Tire smoke like Buddha. 50 G's to the crap shooter. Niggas can't fade me. Chrome socks beaming. Through my peripheral, I see you scheming. Stop dreaming, I leave your body steaming. Niggas is fiending, what's the meaning? I'm leaning on any nigga intervening with the sound of my money machining. My cup runneth over with hundreds. I'm one of the best niggas that done it. Six digits and running. Y'all niggas don't want it. I got the Godfather flow to Don Juan DeMarco. Swear to God, don't get it fucked up. Jay Z. You got Jay Z on the list. A lot of people would be like, well, you know, Jay Z was very impactful and he should be higher than number seven. And I would and say I to those people, that. and I would say to those people, where do you see the rest of the list? Stop looking at Jay Z through the 2017 eyes. What did he mean in the 90s? In the 90s. In the 90s. In the 90s? In the 90s, there were people who are above. Jay-Z. He was just another rapper. Yes, he was. He was just another. He was rapper. trying to jock. He was jockeying for position. In fact, the yeah. reason why he started that war with Nas was to try to get that final peg. Yeah, Nas was, was above him in the nineties. Yeah, exactly. Hands down. Exactly. So he was trying to. He started that war to pretty much get that umph and become the king of New York. Because after Biggie died, you know, he wanted that title bestowed upon him, but it wasn't, you know, quite there. Because Nas was still there. Even though Nas hadn't released like an album to kind of like usurp him and he was winning in, in the pop charts and stuff, Nas was just like, he was that he was the people's rip. champ. He was the people's, he was the people's champ. champ. Yeah. And Nas will always be the people's champ. He's over always going to be the people's champ. Yeah, his, that's it. Like Nas is going to be the people's Without champ. Without the ether, he proved that. Exactly. That was just another another thing to solidify basically his reputation and that yeah. his shit is real. Right? That, was, that was the ultimate blow up in your face. You go at your opponent and your opponent ends up flipping it on you so but yeah so i mean so like i said jay-z is at number seven for those reasons but definitely a part of the 90s yes definitely a 90s rapper give me that beat fool it's a full-time jack move chili chill yo homie make the track move and i'm back anytime dick and hank that's the name of the suckers out of gang. I'll get away from a copper. Drop a dime, I break you off something proper. With the L E N C H M O B. Keep rolling, that's JD. And here's how we'll greet ya. Stop, fool. Come on, that feature. Feel dumb, cause you're caught in the dark. You little nutting ass, Mark. Raise up, cause you can't have it back. You say, I ain't never got stuff like that. Off the end of the gadget show, show dogs in a half. What up, bro? Um, coming in at number six, which number six, the top six to me, I don't know about to you two. They represent the 90s. The top yeah. six represents the 90s these are to a fucking the, D. Mm-hmm. These top six rappers that we finna go through are the 90s. Yep. Coming in at number six. Yeah, you couldn't escape the 90s without any of these names. Ice Cube. Yes. Oh, come on, man. Death certificate. I went I know to my a lot prom people, listening to Death Certificate. I know man. a lot of people would argue with me and say, but he's an 80s rapper. Once again, he was an 80s rapper with N.W.A. This list is about solo artists. Yes. His dominance as an individual is absolutely the nice. A, America KK's Most Wanted came out 1991. Exactly. And then Death Certificate. And then Death Certificate is the ultimate. But 
that album that he came out with with the Bomb Squad was his Independence Day. It yeah. was him breaking away from that NW, keeping the NWA sound, yep. but shifting it just a little bit because his production style did not change. Yep. Because really and honestly and truthfully, there is not too much difference between the NWA production and the Public Enemy production, the no. production of the Bomb Squad. The only difference is the the, the Bomb Squad deals in more frequency. And they they and they their 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 sample heavy is a little different. Yeah, and their their sa- their sample heavy. They're mad libish, whereas right, what's you know the West Coast is more funk oriented. That's why when he we got back and got Jinx, and you know got Yellow and got other people on the beats for America for a uh, death certificate, it started getting a little. It it, it started yeah. it got back West Coast. Yeah, but America KKK's most wanted was an extension. Of a sound he helped create, but it was all him, and he knew how to go to it for that. But he and was. Then, but you can't think about Ice Cube and not think of the '90s. If there's a decade, can't think about '90s and Ice, think Cube, about Ice Cube. Right. Exactly. If there's a decade, like forget the Ice Cube you know about now that's smiling and doing these movies like and if game you young, shows. You don't but, understand that Ice Cube was. Ice Cube was threatening. He, yes, was, he was Ice he was Cube menacing. was he was future. He was Young Thug. He was Kendrick. He was J Cole. Right, like that rapper that was sought after. That rapper that dominated the charts. That rapper who was absolutely the shit. It was Cube. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, uh, are we there yet? And they get barbershop. Yeah. They'll get fucked up by that. Yeah, because like you know, because at a certain point, but that boy's in the hood, Cube. And I want to point out, people don't realize that man's whole transition went through the 90s, even to the point where you we were just like he had gotten to the point after a certain album where when he hit Wicked and he started going, making that downward descent. And then he got went in to put together uh, the, the group with Mac 10. Oh, the Westside Connection. Yeah, Westside West Connection. That's a dope album. Connect, gang, 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 gang. Yeah, 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 he had, he had that kind of. It, it, Ice Cube started to change, right? That's what I said. Then, yeah. but he was still Cube. It he was, was he was cube. still fucking Cube. It's like the beats and stuff changed, and it was like it's like he had got to the point where okay, you rich now, man. We we we, we I don't know, can you be this guy anymore? Around ninety six is when the lights started to uh, flicker. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Not that niggas didn't like him, but that's when he was past. I'm not gonna say prime, but it was different. Well, I mean, yeah, he was directing the videos. Then he directed a couple of videos. Well, he was getting into acting. And he, he was transitioning into, and he was rich and he was transitioning into yeah. the ice cube that people are familiar with. Now. Exactly. Because like that's the thing. A lot of street level rappers and a lot of rappers that rap about being from the street, they they can't make that proper transition. No, they don't. They You know, they end up they keep going back to the same materials. I'll kill you. I'm like, dude, you were a million. Why is killing me? Why you want to throw it away to kill me? I'm going to kill you. I see you 50 cent. That's what they do. And you'd be like, bro, you're going to have to come up with a new story. You had to do something. So now he tells the story through power. Exactly. So uh, okay. So check this out. Coming in at number five.
yeah, the, the, the dot went solo on that ass, but it's still the same. Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. Nine trips ain't the years in for me to fuck up shit. So I ain't holding nothing back, and motherfucker, I got five on the 20 slack. It's like that, and as a matter of fact, What's a check, check? cause I never hesitate to put a nigga on his back. Yeah, so keep out the manuscript. You see that it's a must we drop gangsta What's the motherfucking shit? name? Once again, a rapper. That is synonymous with the synonymous 90s. with the nineties. You cannot escape this man in the nineties, and he is from the same tree, the same family tree as Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And I tell people that I remember when he debuted debuted with uh, Dr. Dre. On a uh, deep, deep cover soundtrack. One of his boys looking out my face, cause he's a shiesty motherfucker. But I give some fuck, cause I'm going deep cover. Yeah, and you don't stop. Cause it's one eight seven on an undercover car. Yeah, and you don't stop. Cause it's one eight seven on an undercover car. Creep with me as I crawl through the hood. Maniac, lunatic, calling Snoop Eastwood. Kicking dust as I bust fuck peace. The motherfucking fuck police. You already know I give a fuck about a cop. So why in the fuck? He was like a breath of fresh air the same way. He was was a breath of fresh air. If you don't stop. Boom, I'm letting my cat boom, pop, boom. and it's one eight seven on, on a motherfucking car. Yep, that's it. He, he was smooth. He was laid back, beat. but he was yeah. he was he yeah. was aggressive. With you know, a fun fact about that song because Dr. Dre does not like that song. Wow. Yeah, he. If you notice, they never performed that song together. Wow. Dr. Dre hates that song. Damn. Yeah. High Snoop, standards like a motherfucker. Yeah, Dr. Dre hates that song. That's amazing. Yeah, man. So you think about the fact that that song is one of the songs Dr. Dre hates. That's crazy. Well, that's Dr. Dre. That's Dr. Dre for you. He's a stickler. Dr. Dre right now got some amazing heat. Dr. Dre right now just produced a track with Jesus and Satan on the same verse, and he like, and eh, it's trash. It's I'm okay. Like, you, you, it's you okay. Sh- you shouldn't call it the. You shouldn't call it detox anyway. You should be. You should be calling it the concentrate. And let's I go. Know, right. The concentrate. Focus. You need to concentrate and focus. Yeah. Well, that's 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 a slang term for super powerful weed now. Oh. Okay. So like you know, so that means you've yeah, really you went real. over my head though. Yeah. Concentrate. Not to, for not to be a smoker. I'm smoking that concentrate. Freddie Freeze got a whole lot of weed references and knowledge. Yeah. Have you ever smoked weed? I have plead the fizzle. Exactly. I, I <laughs> One, two, three, four, fifth. Fizzle. <laughs> now you know we we play ball, so you know it do what it do. It do what it do. That doesn't answer anything. He's a fucking politician. You see how he danced that around that shit? everything. Yes. I, I'm, you know, I have someone uh, rolling something. For so back to the fucking list. Okay, so coming we in were... at number four. That solidifies the '90s, especially from an underground level. Mm-hmm. The guy, and I, and I call, I call this man the Tupac of the South. But to be honest with you, hell, I, I think like 
Tupac was like the Scarface of the West Coast. Of the West Coast. Or the, right. or the North. Cause you already said his name, Scarface. Coming in at number four yeah. is Scarface. Face mob in the house. Another oh. artist that, oh, yeah. if you think about the 90s, Scarface was that guy. And he was a human being. Yes. He was a human. He was an MC who was a human freaking being. We're talking about a man who deals with uh, depression. depression. Yep. And kind of an emo rapper. Oh, he was the father of that. Because when you think about mind playing tricks on me, that never verse, seen a man die. Oh my God! One of the most touching songs and deepest songs. I've I'm ever gonna tell heard you of. like this. After you know knowing someone whose brother committed suicide, he's got a song called Suicide. That song hit so hard. He pretty much almost described me driving home to find this out during the time of like no not. No cell phones and all this other stuff, but he's describing it. Yeah, me and him were doing the same debauchery. You know what I'm saying? We driving home. It's people trying to hit you up on the phone because they trying to tell you, and that's the and the, then the way he they they mix that sample in there to just kind of like you know how you just kind of like something hit you and you just lost for a couple of seconds like damn. And that's the way it is. And this dude, I mean, he puts so much in it. And that's the thing. That's that's the mark of a true artist to me. Because that's an artist can reach in and, you know, hit you. Like, people can be like, I'm rapping all these words and I'm words and words. That's cool. But when the art, he puts that punch on you, you be like, oh, damn. I don't need to hear that no more. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, that's, that's taking me that somewhere. Little, that was a little bit too close to home. Exactly. I don't need to be here. I need to get my ass from over here. And Scarface was that southern rapper in the time where yep. people didn't respect the south. Yep. Scarface was probably the first southern rapper that people outside outside the south loved. Exactly. Nas did songs with Scarface and was influenced by Scarface. Exactly. Hold, let me let me just Jay-Z. Dear, dear dear I haven't talked to the rap god in a minute. I just got a real quick prayer we can get back to the list. Dear rap god. Mm-hmm. If there is any way that I can get a Scarface and Nas album produced by DJ Premier. Shit, man, I, I, just, fight with, I just need I need Premier. I need Nas to do a DJ Premier album, then get us a Scarface I, album. I, I, I don't I don't care when it happens or how it happens, but if I could, dear rap God, hear my prayer. Yes, I've been begging for that. For if a while. I could get a Scarface and Nas album completely produced by DJ Premier, that'd be awesome. That last Scarface was a motherfucker. Oh, I yeah. will give you my first child. Rooted. Yeah, Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, do y'all realize that Scarface been in the game thirty years now? Yeah, Damn. thirty years. And he learned from he he learned so much of the business from the man Jay Prince. Yes, and Jay Prince, like he he talks about that all the time. He soaks up game. People don't realize that's that's a mogul that I had to just I bout that dude like study that dude's moves. That dude is like on. Oh, I had to. Get and you'll come up missing. Yeah, but you just got to <laughs> give him credit. This dude has done it. He has done. He was doing the game. He's one of those few labels that he did the game. He diversified. He's got like he's doing. He's street respected, civilian respected, internationally known, and locally accepted. I, hey, ain't nothing else I can say. Nothing else you, you get can the say title, brother. That. You get the title. I you guess can. all I can say. That reminds me um, uh, of another grown man top ten list. We'll talk about. We definitely got. We definitely got to figure one of that out. I'm the like moguls, a, like a moguls. Yeah, we definitely got to do a top ten moguls.
I sip the dumb peak, watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes. All the words past the margin, the whole of mic I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement, understandable smooth shit that murderers move with. The thief's theme, the play me at night, they won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a crack pipe. The mind activation, react like I'm facing time, like Pappy Mason with pins I'm embracing. Wipe the sweat off my dome, spit the phlegm on the streets. Sway Tim's on my beats, makes my cipher complete. Weather cruising in a six cab, I'm on Jeep, I can't call it. The beats make me falling asleep. I keep falling, but never falling six feet deep. I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me. When you think of the 90s, you think of Nas. When you think of hip-hop, you think of Nas. When you think of the best hip-hop album of all time, you think of Nas. When you think of 94 specifically, you think of Nas. Nas is everything hip-hop should be, was, and I hope it continues to be. And it all started in the fucking 90s. Illmatic. Illmatic. I still remember when I first popped that thing in. I remember like, I remember the live at the barbecue. My rap's a trifle I shoot slugs for my brain just like a rifle Stampede the stage, I leave the microphone split Play Mr. Tuffy while I'm on some pretty tone shit Verbal assassin, my architect pleases When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus Nasty Nas is a rebel to America Police murderer, I'm causing hysteria My troops roll up with a strange force I was trapped in a cage and lit out by the main source Swimming and women like a lifeguard Put on a bulletproof nigga, I strike hard Kidnap the president's wife without a plan And hanging niggas like the Ku Klux Klan I melt mics till the sound waves over Before stepping to me, I'd rather step to Jehovah Slamming MCs on cement Cause verbally, I'm iller than an AIDS patient I move swift and uplift your mind Shoot the gift when I rip and rhyme Rapping sniper, speaking real words My thoughts react like Steven Spielberg's Poetry attacks, paragraphs punch hard My brain is insane, I'm out to lunch guard Science is dropped, my raps are toxic My voice blocks locks and excels like a rock I remember the fact that reading in the magazine Like large professors finna do his whole shit and Lars Professor couldn't do it because he was busy doing something else. And Nas innovated. He actually changed the game completely because he went and got this various producers because he had to turn this album in. You know what I'm saying? And they put together a co- what would seem to be a cohesive sound of the album, but it wasn't like the old albums before where your album sounded completely cohesive, like it was all born together. He actually went and got different producers. Now, a lot of people tried to mimic him, and they failed miserably. But he actually did it in a way where it actually sounded yeah. like this stuff. And I say this again. Louis had it was Large his Professor, first DJ album. Premier. Yeah, he had DJ Large Premier. Professor, G- DJ Premier. Premier. Pete Rock didn't do no beats Pete on Rock, Q Tip. Yep. I got to go through the and, whole and, list. And, I, and I'm, I know I'm missing some other people. Yeah. But those four just so happened. Yep. Just so happened to come together and be in the right space at the right time and make this seminal album. Yep. Yeah, man. Because they just they just sitting around waiting. Yeah, when you think of the 90s, you think of Nas. When you think of the 90s, three. you think of Illmatic. Yep. When you think of 90s hip-hop, you think Illmatic. You have to think of Illmatic. Excuse me. That album still rides and means something to this day. Ain't it up here somewhere? The album is uh, yeah. somewhere up here. Yeah, it, it means something to me. Yeah, we have day. like an Illmatic decoration in this studio right now. That's how important this shit is. Amongst all the other album covers and decorations we got, 
Um, so number three is Nas, man. You are a fucking idiot if you don't say Nas. And every damn body knows who the next two are. If you're not, you're not a human being. You've been up under a rock for a very long time, or you just got out of prison, and you've been there since 1974. <laughs> Son, the loudest one representing BK to the fullest. Gats I pull it. Bastards ducking when Big B bucking. Chicken heads be clucking in my bathroom fucking. It ain't nothing. They know Big B handling with the Mac in the act door paneling. Bandaging MCs. Oxygen, they can't breathe. Mad tricks up the sleeve. Wear boxes so my dick can breathe. Breeze through in the Q45 by my side. Lyrical high. And those that brushes my clutches get put on crutches. Get smoked like touches from the master. number two yep most lyrical influential motherfuckers of the 90s yeah talk a little bit about biggie biggie smalls came out at a time where the west coast had its hands around the neck of hip-hop yes it did and biggie came back with i believe the alvola brothers was doing production yeah he came he came back with well the alvola brothers did productions on the more r&b Type of albums, the you must be used to me spending. That was more like them, if I'm saying their name right. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Bottom line, when he came out with Ready to Die and Biggie's whole reign, first and second album, Biggie's whole reign brought attention back to New York. Wait a minute. I thought Tupac was the Avila Brothers and Biggie was Easy Mo B and the Hitman. Yeah, Biggie was Easy Mo B and the Hitman because Easy Mo B is seminal to Biggie. And basically, when Biggie came on the scene with Party and Bullshit, and you know, which really was his his opening act, and then Juicy, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, and Easy Mo B did a lot of that. First and Mr. Act. C, Easy Mo B, Mr. Easy Mo B, Mr. C, and the Hitman. Yep. See you later, Mr. C. Um. <laughs> yeah, like- I'm sorry, I had to throw. We want, we want. I thought the Alvola. You can edit that out. That's hilarious. The Alvola brothers were Tupac. That was Johnny Clockwork or Johnny. The Alvola brothers did production for Tupac too, especially on um, "Me Against the World." (laughs) Okay, yeah. Because it's like Easy Mo B is like because I study Easy Mo B. Now Easy Mo B did do some production for Pac. He did. He did because Pac was trying to get an Easy Mo B beat for a minute because. Like uh, Greg Nice from Nice and Smooth was talking about it because at that time Pop felt exile in what's it called? He thought that he lost all of his New York friends and stuff. But Nice and Smooth was low key working. You know, they were trying to get something together where they could work with Pop, and Pop was gonna try to fly them out, get them an album deal, maybe do some songs with them. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they was the dude. That was the dudes from around the way, and like Greg Nice had a relationship with Tupac, and people don't live. You know, the, the Human Hook Man. Had a relationship with Tupac. Oh, I can't even do this. I can't do that. Oh my God. Oh, I need. See, I need. I need uh, Jonathan Crane here to go and do it right. <laughs> yeah, he got a bunch of hip hop impressions. Exactly. For you. So anyway, 
So that was two two. I mean, uh, uh, number two was notorious big. Yeah, but the point that basically I was saying before I fucked up my facts, which I still need to fact check that. Man, the Alvola brothers was Biggie. We'll, we'll fact check it. But anyway, hold on. Biggie was a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal lyricist. Talent wise, he was the shit. And when you think of the 90s, you think of Biggie. But he really brought shit back, the attention back to the East Coast. And and, and he he brought it back and spurred on East Coast gangster rap. Yeah. He with, with because after him, then there was Mob Deep. Wu Tang was still in the mix. Uh yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, at the end of the day, the producers on there, on Ready to Die, were Mr. C, DJ Premier, Easy Mo B, Lord Finesse, yep. and Chucky Thompson. Number one artist, of course, we all know who it is. Dear Tupac, man. Tupac Shakur, Amari Shakur. Is that is that how you say his middle name? Is it Amari Tupac? Amari Shakur, Amaru, um, the and Shining Serpent. The Shining. That's what that means. Amaru, yeah, the Shining uh, uh, something like that. Yeah, the Shining yeah. Serpent. Yeah. The impact that this man on the '90s had on the '90s. The, I mean. I'll I'll start by saying this and you guys can chime in. The fact that this man died and for 10 years after his death, even till now, even beyond, people still say this man is alive. Do y'all not realize as a culture, we just came to grips with the fact that Tupac actually dead for real and not in Cuba with his auntie? Well, I'm going to go ahead and break it down even another way. When you look at Biggie and Pac, for instance, the reason why, you know, me being, you know, more New York leaning guy, I still ride with Tupac being number one, you know, even though I listen to more Biggie than I listen to Pac. I'm very selective with my Pac listening. Pac broke things down in a layman way. See, I was mm-hmm. almost a, tech, a technocratic type guy 
And I was always looking for the people who were the students of hip hop. I was like studying the other students. I was in a world where we were having a conversation with each other and everybody else was just a privy to be there. Right. And so your girls didn't listen to rap. None of this other stuff. It was understood. It was only a handful of women that was listening to rap at the time. Don't get me wrong, ladies. All you ladies that were real hip hop heads and y'all was in the game. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah. We. I'm not the dissing Alvilla you. Alvilla Brothers did one more but, chance. Okay, there you go. The remix. They they produced for Biggie. That's what I'm saying. They did the remix though. They produced for Biggie. They did the remix. Is my yeah. overall point. Yeah, yeah. Well, who were the brothers that produced for Pac? I don't know the brothers that produced for Pac, but the Latino gentlemen y'all thinking of they is also produced for Pac. It's Johnny Clockwork some. Yeah. But what Clockwork I w- Productions. This was Johnny J. Johnny, Johnny J. J was Clockwork, Clockwork Productions, Productions. And that's the Latino guy who did work for Pac and the Alvilla brothers were the Latino gentlemen that did work for Biggie. Okay. Um Okay, but I'll look at the Pac, but go ahead. But yeah, what well, yeah, what I was saying was like the thing that made Pac resonate was the fact that he actually broke things down in layman terms and he broke things down in a more personal it was a complicated simplicity. You see what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. It, and I know that sounds like those two words don't go together, but everybody knows that good writers don't have to, you know, write a lot to get the point across. And th- th- basically, Pac was hitting you with that that punch that I told you artists do. You know what I'm saying? Right. He was right. hitting you. He was coming at you with like the dear mamas and uh, and Brenda's got, got a baby. And people sleep on the fact. That from the jump, Pac was super Afrocentric. He rolled in on the Afrocentric wave. When you see him in in the Panther same power, it sounds like yeah. Panther Power. Yeah, and 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 the, and the truth to be told, look at the, where his debut was with the Digital Underground on the same song. Tupac, go ahead and rock. Now this. I clown around when I hang around with the underground. Girls used to frown, say I'm down when I come around. Gas me, and when they pass me, they used to diss me, harass me. But now they ask me if they can kiss me. Get some fame, people change, wanna live their life high. Same song can't go wrong if I play the nice guy. Claiming fame must have changed now that we became strong. I remain still the Why same, too? cause it's the same song. And all I want is the same song. Same old song, y'all. He was wearing a dashiki. And had like the little, you know, what's call it? And it was like he was the one dressed in his African garb, you know, and that was going to be his stick. And really, the funny thing is, he was a child of public enemy. Exactly. But then he turned around, and at the time, since the gangster stuff was in, he had that street element in it. He was always, like Money B said, he was always fascinated because he would come to Money B's apartment on the Ave and stuff like that to smoke weed and do all this other stuff. You know, he was also a child of that too. See what I'm saying? Right. And he actually spoke for it and gave it a voice. You know what I mean? Because I tell people before Tupac really pushed that phrase forward, Thug wasn't even like yep. pushed around like that. It's like Thug the Thug Life was the first hip hop movement. Like yeah. Thug Life. Tupac brought forth Thug Life. He brought forth rappers being tatted the fuck up. Yes. He brought forth rappers taking pride in being shot. He, yeah, he brought forth, which was wild. Yeah, those are the type of things that I really don't want to give him credit for. But, but it's just real. It's sad. It's sad, but it's which true. he didn't. He didn't intend to. It's like people yeah. just mimic, like like people who don't have an originality of their own. They just tend to just they run with the what's called and they and the thing is the what hurts me most is I think a lot of people didn't understand Pac and they didn't take the the man's giving you cautionary tales. He actually telling you he's even giving you some outs and he's showing you the versatility. That he goes through, right? 
And a lot of people just jumped on and say, hey, that's imitatable. He's like, wait a minute. I didn't say go through my same pain, motherfucker. I said learn from Yeah, it's like I, the one thing that I hate about the future generations going forward, there's only one artist that really got the whole man, and that's Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Everybody else just jumped on the whole thug theme. Yeah. And ran with it. Exactly. Tupac was much, much, yeah, much, so much more, more than a thug. He was a human being. He was a complex individual. Yeah. Yes, there was the thug, the, the the thuggish side. But his righteous side was but, actually even bigger. But his righteous side like, was bigger. His thinking side was bigger. He was a yeah. he was a thug, an intellectual, a a, a, a ladies man. Uh, he was a well-rounded human being. But all we ever take away from Tupac is the thug shit. Yeah. And and the man. And was, that was the gimmick. Yeah. That was the gimmick. That was the gimmick that got him over because, you know, Afrocentric stuff had went out. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's what he had came on. He came in on. He had came in on the Afrocentric wave, and that group fell apart, and he ended up tied to Digital Underground because the, the person who had signed him knew he was a talent. If you know his story, that's it. Like, and, and Digital Underground will tell you this. And then Digital Underground just kind of took him with him. With them because of that, because the label told them that hey, get 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 this pop. Yeah, Interscope signed him as a Afrocentric conscious rapper. Yeah, when he got to Death Row, yeah. it was all gangster rap. Yeah, that's it. Like you that was the only thing. That was the only way you could get on. Kind of like now, how I hear a lot of these new artists actually can rap. We got artists like Little B. We got artists. A lot of these trap artists can rap. Can they- actually rap, but the wave is trap. Yeah. The, so if you want to be in this game and make money, you gotta go where the people at, and the people are trapping. Yeah. They want to. They want to hit a trap, so you go with the people. But it's a lot of these artists right now who are just completely dumbing down their style because they ain't no money and not being that. Exactly. Not being. Not so. Being so you look. Style. You take that and you put it in two pocket, and gangster rap was the trend. Yep. So he had to find a way to package his Afrocentricness and his consciousness into this thug package to give you. The sugar with the medicine. And he and took a lot to me, uh, him being from New York, it's like I feel like he saw a lot of what the intelligent hoodlum was doing. A lot of there was a rapper called the intelligent hoodlum. And there was <laughs> like um, the intelligent hoodlum. Yeah, you, you can look him up. He's he's been he's been around for a while. And there was several other guys that was on that whole conscious, but whatever. The woo even drops not he was almost he never went as far as the you know, five percent. Yeah, because yeah, the woo was very dense. Well, they're, they're dense like, with five percent. They're, they're dense with five percent stuff, yeah. but the woo hit you with so many different elements all at the same time. Exactly. Comic book references, the five percent. Yeah. Math. You know, the daily mathematics, yeah. street the karate, shit, the, the karate, the karate, just straight lyricism, hip hop. They hit you with yeah, so that's much, too much shit all at the same time. Yeah. So, and I still need help with the goddamn Biggie remix. One more chance, beat. Was it uh, Rashad Smith? Was it that? Avila Brothers, which I could be fucking up all together. I, I'm just gonna go ahead I and say I think the Avila Brothers know. were the main producer. They, I know that. They're, look, they're, you got me against the world right there. You can look in there and see who did the production on the uh, inlay. Um. So, while that is being done, the list. Don't forget what y'all was saying about Wu Tang. What's the list? Let's recap the list. So let's go ahead and break down this list again. And once again, we broke down this list for those of y'all. Like, like these are the goats of the '90s, part two of a four-part series. So coming in at number ten is Lauren Hill. Number nine, Red Man. Number eight, DMX. 
Number seven, Jay-Z. Number six, Ice Cube. Number five, Snoop Dogg. Number four, Scarface. Damn. Number three, Nas. Number two, Biggie. And number one, Tupac. But anywho, once again, that has been another episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. I'm your boy, Lawrence G. You are Joey motherfucking Burnham. You are Fred Frio. Everything is grande. Nothing is petito. Word. Everybody knows that I play bitches. So anyway. Um, <laughs> he he didn't have it this week, I ladies. Didn't have it this he didn't have it this week. week. Like we always say about this time. Don't go out there and do no dumb shit. It's a lot going on in the world. We need all the grown-ups we can get. I know that's real. And remember, grown-ass men do grown man shit. We out. Peace. Yeah. Don't be like Benzino. Or or be like Benzino if you want. Yeah, or be like Benzino. That's all. The Grown-Ass Man Hip Hop Show is a Fourth Coast Media production produced by Lawrence Trammell and recorded at Fourth Coast Studios. This is a Fourth Coast Media production. Fourth Coast?